Welcome to It's a Good Life, the podcast for entrepreneurs, where it's all about growing yourself and your business. Before we begin, I want to remind you about our ad-free option. Go to It's a Good Life on the Apple Podcast app. You'll see a banner under the logo to remove ads and unlock early access to episodes. It's just five bucks a month, and there's even a free trial. Either way, continue listening to It's a Good Life, and here's our man, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning to you, and welcome to today's episode, entitled, The Most Attractive Trait in Business. And what is that trait, you ask? Well, it's self-confidence. Genuine, authentic self-confidence. Many people mistake arrogance and boasting for self-confidence. Those are actually signs of insecurity. Now, confidence is not the absence of doubt. It's the attitude and energy you bring in the midst of doubt. Some people say, fake it till you make it. I just don't believe you need to do that. I'm going to show you how you can grow in the area of self-confidence. And you'll discover that is the most attractive trait actually in the marketplace. What we'll explore today is, confidence is not the absence of doubt. I did it before and I can do it again. And how to believe in your future. So let's dive into that first point. Confidence is not the absence of doubt. Research from Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh shows that people often prefer confidence over actual expertise. Now, we prefer advice from a confident source to the point we're willing to forgive a poor track record. Now, personally, I think you can have confidence and a great track record. I don't think you have to choose either or. So as we talk about confidence, let's just talk about why it's not the absence of doubt. Let's define what doubt is. Doubt is to call into question. It actually, by definition, is a lack of confidence. And ultimately, here's your solution. It's an inclination not to believe. That is the answer. And as we talk about self-confidence, we're going to talk about your belief system. What do you believe about yourself? What do you believe about your product or service? What do you believe about the future? What do you believe about people? You know, I made my fortune first in the real estate business and then training real estate agents and then mortgage professionals and then entrepreneurs, all about how to work by referral. Working by referral is based on one particular belief system, that if I treat people well, if I exceed their expectations, if I do more than they're asking for, if I give good energy and I have a good attitude and I'm pleasant and kind, and then I apply some marketing principles to support it, remind them, put my name first and foremost in their mind when they think of what it is I do and when they meet someone who needs what it is I do, that people are going to refer me. I've believed that for 35 years. Now, I, I was raised with that. I was trained in the family business, that if we did a great job, my grandfather, Harry Buffini, his picture's here behind me, he had a phrase, can you put your name to that? And then my dad reinforced that, can you put your name to that? You had to put your name to the work you did every day, because if you worked in such a way that exceeded what the client expected, that they would ultimately send us business. I took that principle and some kind of next-level marketing approaches with it, writing personal notes, sending items of value and marketing pieces, doing pop buys and client parties and all kinds of just cool things to exceed my customers' expectations, the mints on the pillows. When I did that, my philosophy was when I did all those things, I was going to get a lot of referrals, and I did. And I was outselling my competition by a factor of 10 as a fellow in his mid-20s. So the same thing happened then when I started Buffini Company. And I had consultants tell me, hey, hang on a second here, you're going to 
train real estate agents, which is what we did. And they said, your whole business philosophy is based on if you train these people and they're successful, that they're going to tell other realtors about you. Well, those realtors are their competition. Now I said, hey, we're going to teach people that when you when you do it right, you don't have any competition because you have your own database and your own list of relationships. And I had four or five like major consultants tell me we were on to a flawed model. Our company grew after its second year. We grew by no less than 49% a year for 10 consecutive years, all by referral, all by exceeding people's expectations, doing more than we promised, treating people great, and then reminding them and letting them know. And if you've ever listened to this podcast, Like, I love doing this podcast. I love preparing this podcast. I don't get paid for this podcast. But I'm excited to tell you about this podcast. I'm excited to have you refer this podcast to your friends. You know, we've reached 20 million downloads of this podcast. The vast majority of that was before we had any marketing at all or any promotion at all. So I happen to have a belief that if you treat people well and go the extra mile and do those kinds of things, that people will refer you. So that's where, when you get into this definition of doubt, the fact of the matter is, we call things into question. We lack confidence in something. It's an inclination to not believe, okay? In fact, we did a wonderful podcast earlier this year with Dr. Ivan Joseph. It's episode 111. If you want to check it out, if you can remember, it said, you got this. And he wrote a book about you got this. And it's all about the science of self-confidence and how to grow in self-confidence. Clement Moore said, faith is not the absence of doubt, it's belief without proof. Not question. You can have questions and still believe. Susie Kassem said, doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. Your faith can move mountains, your doubt can create them. I always find the best quotes are anonymous, and that's an anonymous one. So, confidence is not the absence of doubt. Next thing I want to cover is that everybody doubts. Everybody doubts. I remember one of my all-time favorite movies, but one is certainly in my top five when I asked the questions, would be Braveheart. And a big part of Braveheart was made in Ireland. It's a brilliant movie. And there's a powerful scene in Braveheart, if you've ever seen the movie, where Robert the Bruce, he's the guy that's really enamored. Young Robert the Bruce is enamored with William Wallace. He wants to charge in and fight the way he does. And his dad is an old politician. And of course, all politicians do what all politicians do. They compromise, they make deals, and they do it behind closed doors. And so sure enough, his old man kind of tricks him. And uh, they, they end up betraying William Wallace, Braveheart, as we know him. And so there's this powerful scene where Robert the Bruce come and confronts his father. And uh, he says, I've lost heart. And his father says, everybody loses heart, which is just like what we're talking about. Everybody doubts. And I never forget Robert the Bruce in just a very impassioned way. He said, I don't want to lose heart. I want to believe as he does. See, that's what Robert the Bruce was really looking for. And his father was saying, hey, look, everybody doubts. Everybody loses heart. And there's a lot of people say that. And so we know that confidence is not the absence of doubt. So you can have doubts and still be confident. William Wallace had doubts, but he was still believed. And so Kobe Bryant said, we all have self-doubt. You don't deny it, but you also don't capitulate to it. One of the greatest champions of all time. A British poet, Helen Dunmore, said, when you are young, you don't always realize how full of doubt everyone is. Right? And especially now, so many young people are filled with anxiety and concerns. They don't realize that everyone who came before him was in the same boat. Mark Twain said, a man cannot be comfortable without his own approval. Okay, so you got to go through this. you got to walk through this. It's a bit of a storm. 
All of us have doubt. If you don't have doubt, you might be a complete narcissist. So everybody doubts. Nothing wrong with it. We've covered the definition of it. The other dynamic with doubt and why it's such a dangerous thing, I call it the mouse with the megaphone. It's a small thing, but it has a giant projection. And so you can have a tiny bit of doubt, but it's a mouse with a giant megaphone, so it roars. And so that's what the unconscious mind is. The unconscious mind, 80% of our actions come out of our unconscious mind. That's why to go about building authentic, genuine self-confidence, you have to make sure you approach it at the deepest level possible, because that's where your doubts live. And if your doubts are buried in there and you give credence to them, and that's what you believe, then 80% of your actions will come out of that. The actual opposite of doubt is insecurity and fear. And when somebody's insecure, they either become withdrawn and overly shy, or they become overly arrogant and overly boastful. And like I say, when you meet someone who's a real self-boasting person, it normally is covering up some tremendous insecurity. We want to make sure we get to that right place. Drew Brees, Hall of Fame quarterback, said, think about winning the day. If you're worried about the mountain in the distance, you might trip over the molehill right in front of you. William Blake said, he who replies to words of doubt does both put the light of knowledge out. And my pal Brian Tracy said, fear and self-doubt have always been the greatest enemies of human potential. Let me say this. One of the most powerful dynamics in self-confidence, we'll get to the practical things, which is practice, preparation. Confidence comes from doing and repetition, right? I mean, if I was teeing off at the first hole of the Masters today, I'd probably be very nervous. Tiger Woods, not so much, apart from the talent gap, because Tiger's hit 10 million golf balls. And before he went to play the Masters, he'd hit 10 million golf balls. I actually went to play the Masters. I actually did, not in the competition, but I played Augusta with uh, my friend Lou Holtz, and I hadn't practiced at all. Let me tell you, I was full of doubt. So you do those kinds of things. But I actually believe, you talk about the attractiveness and the attractiveness of this quality, I believe it's in a knowing smile. And so as you have doubt, and you have this concern, and you have this lack of belief, when you have practiced, when you've prepared, when you are trust yourself, really trust yourself for who you actually are, you'll have a knowing smile. Not an arrogant smile, but just a little smile that says, I got this. At Buffini & Company, our coaching philosophy is, we got you. We got you. I go do the events and I'll have the audience shout back, you got us. And we do. Why? For 27 years, we've been coaching people and we've been helping them increase their revenue and get their life organized and their business organized and helping them with their self-confidence and their skills and their professionalism and all those kinds of things. And so when I say we got you, well, we've had people for 27 years. And so the more you do and the more you practice, the more rehearse, the better you'll be. And that's where I want to get to the second major point here, which is very, very crucial. And it's a phrase I coined years and years ago, and it's, I did it before, I can do it again. You know, all of us go through periods of time where things don't go right. Sometimes there's a snowball effect. Sometimes there's bad luck circling around, you know. Sometimes you just feel like there's nothing you can do going right, and it's everything's against you. And we all have seasons of that, periods of that, days like that, sometimes years like that. I remember one time, I, you know, I was, I was doing a live event, and I was in Atlanta, Georgia. And at the end, it was my want for the first 20 years of this business. I'd do a meet and greet at the end and just meet people who wanted to, you know, say hi or whatever else and, or ask a question. And sometimes these things would go on for quite some time. So many times I learned throughout doing this over the years that I'd see somebody who kind of wasn't in line but was hanging back 
and was wait until I was all by myself. Sometimes they had a business proposal for me. But a lot of times those were often very heartfelt conversations that someone to have. And usually it was of a very personal manner. And I'd have my staff, a couple of them on either side of me when I was doing these meet and greets. And I'd, if somebody had a situation, I'd write on the back of a card or a book to send them or whatever else. But when I would get into these situations and I got into a conversation with this lady in Atlanta, I had my staff take a little step back because I knew she was struggling. Now, from the outside, this was a very attractive lady. She looked like, the best way I could describe her, she looked like a newscaster, you know, just really put together. And the hair was imperfect and she was very well dressed and very articulate lady. And she goes, look, Brian, I, I, I just wanted to talk to you. You know, I've, um, I, and then she can't talk. And I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, next thing you know, the tears start. And she just like went from being like the super dignified, articulate lady to just kind of losing it. So I'm kind of holding her shoulders and just say, yeah, right. And she goes on to tell me that, you know, she'd been married for 25 years, raised two great kids. And her husband just kind of up and left and went out with another woman and just left her overnight. And now she found herself needing to support herself and re-enter the workplace. And she hadn't worked outside the home in 25 years. Her husband had been a successful attorney. And she was just racked with fear and racked with doubt. And then she just looked at me and just, she was composing herself. Like she was strong, she was tough, but she was gathering herself together. And she goes, I just have never done anything. And that's when I knew, okay, there's my answer. So I said, okay, well, let's just, just forget about business for right now and what you need or whatever else. Tell me about your life. Tell me about the last 25 years. What you been up to? And what I was looking for was what had she done before? Well, turns out she'd raised two kids. And one was, was in medical school and one was already on the brink of being a, a lawyer. The kids were married. They were in healthy relationships, living close by. Both kids had reached out to her. Hey, mom, you want to move in with us? We'd love to have you type thing. And so I stopped her there and I said, uh, first of all, that might be the most difficult job in the history of mankind is raising kids. It sounds like you've done a marvelous job there. So, okay, let's keep that in mind because if you can do that, you can certainly help people buy and sell a home. I said, what else have you done? Well, now, now all of a sudden she starts kind of, she sees where I'm going. She goes, well, I was involved. I was the head of the PTA. I did this. In fact, we did a fundraiser and I actually led the fundraiser to get, we raised $1.9 million to expand the school's gym. And then she gets talking. She kept going on and bit by bit, like it was like a light bulb went on inside her. Once she knew where I was after, it's like, what have you done before? What have you accomplished before? Not what have you done in this specific space? So she's brand new at getting a real estate license. I don't know anything. I haven't done anything. I haven't made a sale. I haven't done anything. And she went from completely lost to realizing, hang on a second here. I have things in my memory bank, my genuine, authentic, unconscious mind of things I actually have done that I'm proud of, things I've accomplished that I'm proud of. It had just been forgotten. She felt like a failure. Her husband left her. She felt like a failure. I know many people can relate to that. She got into his brand new business out of not a great set of circumstances. She felt like a failure. She hadn't done any business yet. She felt like a failure. She just had forgotten who she was and what she'd done. And this is an exercise I've had many, many people do in seminars all over the world, which I'll have to make a list of our first subpoint here, is what have you accomplished in the past? I don't care what it is. I don't care if you won a geography award. I don't care if you built a website. Whatever it was, whatever, what things have you done in your life? Because if you did it before, you actually can do it again. What have you done in your past? Bill Johnson said the best way to build on past accomplishments is by building on top of their breakthroughs. 
right? So which is the next question I'm going to ask you. What came out of that? Marcus Garvey said, with confidence, you have won before you have even started. So where were you confident before? What's, what's something you did where you were confident? In what circumstances were you confident? Nobody's confident in every specific circumstance. Like if you put me in front of an audience of 5, 10, 12,000 people, I can go on that stage and I'm very, very comfortable. You put me on the first tee of Augusta with a couple of hundred people looking at me, I'd have a hard time taking a backswing. You know, it's like, where have you been confident? What have you accomplished in the past? Here's the next piece is what were the traits you displayed? What traits did you display in your past? I had a situation where I'd reached kind of a flat spot in my life. I was a young real estate agent and I was thinking about driving the shuttle at night and I set some goals. I remember I set 25 goals and I reached 19 of them in 30 days. So obviously some of them were quick hitters. And it had just been a number of years since I'd gotten home to Ireland. And again, you're, you're starting out. I was starting a brand new business. I'd just gotten married. i just bought a house, just had a baby. So it's not exactly easy or convenient. And I didn't have a ton of money. Okay, we were just getting started. I remember thinking to myself, my goodness, what if my parents died and never got to meet their first grandchild? So I'm one of six kids. I was the first guy married. I was the first person with a grandbaby. And once I thought about that, like, you know, thankfully, my parents are still alive. And it's 30 years later. But I took into account, like, what, hap- what would happen? How would I feel if my parents never got to see their grandchild? And then I thought, well, my wife, Beverly, she's, she's never been to Ireland. It's a huge part of who I am. And always will be. And, I mean, it'd be great for her to experience Ireland. I'd love for her to meet the people, my family. And also, it'll kind of be eye-opening because she'll, maybe she'll understand me a bit more, too. And then also, I hadn't been together with my family. My brother's living in London and sister up in Belfast, and we were all over the place. And I wrote a goal about booking a holiday home down where we used to go in Ireland, a place called British Bay, renting a house and getting everybody back together, paying for their flights, making sure it was just, there was no reason not to go. And we just get the whole family back together. And I wrote out this goal in this powerful context that Lou Tice had taught me. And I wrote out this goal and I I was moved by the goal. Like, what if I do it? And what if I don't? What if I don't? Was What if my parents died? What if I do? The whole family gets together, be together, celebrate the life of this little guy that's been born and have a great time together. And it had been a lot of years. Well, I booked that trip and I put it on an American Express card. I had 15 days until the bill came in and then 30 days to pay the bill. And in those days, you can only pay American Express in full. So I had 45 days and it was eight grand. Now, I can tell you at the time, eight grand was about seven grand more than I could afford. And I don't recommend this. And I'm going to, you know, I'm a big budget guy and live within your means. But this goal was so visceral to me. I put it on an American Express card and gave myself no doubt. Now, I will tell you that the following month, I sold twice as many homes as I'd ever done in a month before. The following month after that, I did it again. I set a new standard for myself. I did it before I can do it again. When I went through periods of time, I don't care. 20 years later, when the Great Recession hit, for example, in 2008, and we had 400 employees and the real estate market and the coaching business was just spiraling down. I was then writing a million dollar a month check to keep the company open out of my own personal funds. I remember, I remember the trip to Ireland. I did it before, I can do it again. And I tapped into that. So what were the traits you've displayed in the past? You know, John Dewey said, confidence is directness and courage in the meeting the facts of life. Stan Smith, the great tennis player, said, experience tells you what to do. Confidence allows you to do it. You've done it before. You can do it again. So what have you accomplished in the past? 
What were the traits you displayed? And then lastly, hide these things in your heart. That's what I did. So when a big old recession came, I had that Ireland trip in my heart. Cicero said, confidence is that feeling by which the mind embarks in great and honorable courses, which assure hope and trust in itself. Samuel Johnson said, self-confidence is the first requisite to great undertakings. And then Lane Beachley, who's a world champion surfer, said, focus on what inspires you, not what scares you. I did it before, I can do it again. I hope when you're listening to this, your mind is filled with things you've done in the past, big and small, where you accomplish something and you hide them in your heart. That's the source of your self-confidence. And then lastly, the third major point is you have to have a belief in the future if you want confidence. First, you need a vision you can believe in. Goals, where you want to go, a vision for yourself. Teddy Roosevelt says, believe you can and you're halfway there. Helen Keller said, nothing can be done without hope and confidence. Oprah said, it's confidence in our bodies, minds and spirits that allows us to keep looking for new adventures. Powerful stuff. We actually did a podcast on this, Developing Your Self-Belief. I think it's powerful. It's well worth a listen to. Episode 97 of uh, season two. Check that out. So belief in your future. Secondly, lean into those who believe in you. I always mention my mom. She finishes off every podcast. But my whole life, she said to me, you can do it, Bryony. I don't care what age I was or how many kids or grandkids I had. I always call my mom. I still call her today. And she just, she's somebody that believes in me. I have a few people like that, that believe in me. Just a few. You believe it or not, it's, it's not everybody. But you have those few people who know you, who believe in you. My bride Beverly is that way. She believes in me. And you need to lean into those people. Time magazine showed that your social setting can strongly affect what you believe is possible. And that will affect your confidence, the effort you expend, and the results you achieve. Brian Coslow said, surround yourself with people who believe in you. It makes all the difference. My kids growing up, they loved Vin Diesel, the actor. And he said, when people believe in you, you can do miraculous things. So make sure you do. One of the things I'm most proud of, we have an army of people. They're called coaches at Buffini Company. They know how their clients are wired. They have their real strengths profile. They have their history together with their client. And they know what someone can and can't do. And they believe in them. And that's why they help these people. That's why they're able to help them achieve things that our clients thought they never could be done again and again and again because they have someone in your corner who believes in you, whether it's a mentor, whether it's a parent, whether it's a family member, or whether it's a coach. The last thing for becoming confident might surprise you, and it's become reliable. And it's a big part of believing in your future. So you get that vision, you lean into those who believe in you, and then you become a reliable person. Because I believe reliability Being reliable, that's the stepping stones to a great business in life. Because when you are reliable, what happens is your customers start to believe in you. And when they believe in you, they refer you. When they believe in you, they come back to you. When they believe in you, they post on social media about you. Reliability is a huge thing, especially in the world we live in today. Stephen Covey said, if you want to be trusted, be trustworthy. Wolfgang Schauble said, reliability is the precondition for trust. And the great Marcus Aurelius, okay, the great emperor himself said, waste no more time arguing what a good man should be, just be one. So the fact of the matter is this, boys and girls, the most attractive trait in business is self-confidence. It's having that knowing smile. It doesn't mean there's an absence of doubt. We know there is. It doesn't mean 
that you won't have fears. Of course you will. But you're going to remember what you did before. And if you did it before, you can do it again. There's traits you displayed. Those traits are still in you. And hold these things in your heart. And then believe in your future. Set a vision for your future, goals for your future. Lean into those who believe in you and then become that reliable person. Then it becomes genuine, authentic. And then you have that knowing smile. And when someone needs your help, when someone needs your mentorship, when someone needs your influence, you're that confident person to bring it to them. Well, I hope you enjoyed this today. I hope it's been helpful for you. I would say this, I love doing this for you. And the more feedback I get from you, whether it's letters or emails or the reviews you leave, the more confident I become in bringing even more messages like this to you. It's a pleasure to serve you. I want to thank you for tuning in. If you need a little help and you want to grow, maybe go to itsagoodlife.com and check out our free business consultation. Maybe it's time for you to have someone who believes in you who's a pro who can help you achieve your goals. That might help you as well. I'm going to hand you off to me, Mom, the one who believed in me the most, who passed her confidence into me. And I hope this has passed some confidence into you today. Here's Therese with an Irish blessing. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.